Hey now. <laughs> How's everybody doing? The hell was that? I don't know. I'm just fucking around. This hey, is hey, hey. <laughs> This is Blue Collar Philosophers. I am Biker Mike and that is Devin. Uh we are doing the retort. And uh, yes. I, I do not feel like there is a single thing that I said that you could argue with. So we will see you next time at the Blue Collar. <laughs> that was our retort. Yeah. So while I was gone on my motorcycle trip, uh, Mike decided to to record episode that we've been kind of teasing. Like he had this in, the, in his back pocket. And, oh, yeah. You know, uh, took it out while I was gone. Was it a 20-minute episode uh, where, 18, you, where yeah. you monologued? Yeah, just monologued. I'm, I'm how'd you feel? How would you feel about it? I I did my best not to divert too much because I feel like sometimes when you're talking, you can go like 20 different directions and just talk nonsensically for an hour. But I was like, no, I don't want to fucking waste my time or yours. It was a Sunday night, uh, my son's birthday. I'm like, no, I don't. Oh, I'm without, just gonna... without me there to interrupt you, you know, and all the time. And and, and perpetuate you, conversation too. Yeah. Like, so let's you, not, let's you, not you say interrupt, to... but just you also... Push the conversation. Yeah, twenty twenty minutes forward. twenty minutes alone is a lot more dense content than the normal, right? Yes, and you're just kind of working through your thoughts and talking it out, and of course missing things because you can't hit everything all at once. Did, when you got to the end of that, where you were like, "Crap, I missed this, and that, and that." I wish I talked a, about a little that bit more. of that and a little bit of really only that long. <laughs> Yeah. Like I could have gone on, but at the same time, I'm like, so what's, what's something that, uh, like, here's your, here's your mulligan. What did you say that you wish you had, or what didn't you say that you wish you had snuck in, you know, if you had an extra five minutes? I, hmm, more than anything, I would, I would want to emphasize the low, low five vision of paradise. This idea that, that the garden is not what we thought it was. I don't know why, but we have this 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 understanding of the Garden of Eden being this absolute paradise that, that nothing ever went wrong, everything was perfect, there was no death, there was no... Everything was just as it should be, and and no degeneration. And I'm like, that that that's an unrealistic view. And I don't know why, but I just, I don't see it. Like, I'm talking down to the molecular idea of the Garden of Eden. How does, do plants, plants, even just that thing, how do plants not have any type of death and regeneration? Because if there's no death, there's no sin in the world, all these Christians try to push this idea of no sin, nothing died, it's just all as it should be. Well, I suppose... Just to try and steal, man, what you're arguing against here. Uh, if you've got just a literal six-day creation version of the world, that's a world you and I have never encountered. Yes. Like, that's, who knows how long even that world existed. Well, that's exactly before, it. Before it said fall. So but there's a lot there's, of there's people n- who are literary interpreters, like they believe in six literal days of creating. Yeah, I'm saying, like, to, to steal man, their argument, you know, if that's the case, the whole world is fresh. Like, God's given Adam and Eve a task to, to name things and tooling around. Like, who knows how long it was that, that they had this whole thing. But everything could have been, like, yes. created, fully formed, 
Like, why bother thinking about degeneration if there wasn't even a generation to make it happen? It was created. Yes. And there and exists. And only would begin degeneration once but, the rot set in after after the fall. The, I'm just thinking timeline then. How long were they in the Eden or in the garden? I don't know. Could have been two days, two years, a thousand years. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? How, Can you how, imagine not eating a fruit for two days and be like, fuck it, I'm eating that one. I know. <laughs> I held out for two whole days. That's the one I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I just, yeah. Down, I'm, I'm, I, th- I think. So yeah, like your mentality makes perfect sense when you're trying to, when you're trying to. I'm trying to straw man it. I, I really am well, in a lot of ways. Well, what, what I'm saying is like your, your question, the, the thing that, to you that doesn't make sense. Like I, I get what you're saying. If you're coming from an idea that this is an old earth. That, yes. you know, that there's evolutionary processes, which mean decay into the death and selection and splitting and mutations. All of that precludes the idea of there being an idyllic paradise. Yes. And that's where I kind of divert from a lot of Christians where they have this idea of what they think paradise is. And I'm like, I, hmm. So wh- I have a hard time what, with that. What I saw you doing in, in that podcast was attempting to synthesize some type of some type of, of literal Eden story with an with evolutionary history. Yes. That's what I saw happening. Yeah. And so I would say if you're gonna go meta, fucking go meta. See, I thought I was doing that <clears throat> because you can't. There is a poetic, no, no, a poetic it, lens at, to at the same through. time. At the same time, you were trying to harmonize. Okay. You were, you were trying to harmonize something that, personally, I think is entirely uh, a mythic story. Okay. With, so you were you were trying to figure out. All okay, right. How yeah, does yeah. how does this whole thing with Adam and Eve work? Given that there's probably a whole gener like a whole. Multi-generational. Multi-generational thing of humanoid apes. Like when, you know, like how does that work? How does it work with plants dying and, and splitting and things coming from other organisms? Like there's so much death and destruction and selection and new life and all that's happening. Okay. So like if you're trying to, if you're trying to synthesize this belief in an old earth with the garden story only way that really makes sense is the way that you presented it but that's not meta that's a no. synthesizing of that's a synthesizing of two literal understandings of the world but i think a big part of that is me trying to harmonize my understanding of the bible with a with a proper timeline of adam and eve it's it's not putting it into a a evolutionary understanding well well, it is taking an evolutionary understanding, but shortening it into individuals. And I think that's on me not wanting to disregard uh, biblical literature because of my upbringing and all this stuff where I'm like, okay, I, I, I want to both appease my my upbringing and also the people who are listening that maybe believe the Genesis story as a literal understanding of the creation of the world. Yeah. So you're trying to find a way to blend the two together and make yes. it make make the idea of an old earth somewhat 
palatable. Like there is a way to to read it that way and understand yeah. that there was this person named Adam who. But but you're saying do the opposite. Like no, fucking take one way or the other. And I'm like I I have a hard time with that. But that's not necessarily disregarding the Bible. But if you're gonna say like this is this is a meta, then go all the way with it. At least as a thought experiment, and yeah. be like okay. I don't need to try to synthesize the Adam and Eve story with the dawning of humanity from apes that preceded it and just view it in the narrative like a fairy tale that is saying something about what the rest of the Bible is about or about in a a way to understand like a parable, the relationship between God and man. Yeah. Yeah, I I understand that. I do. I do. I, do. Uh, I just think it's a lot. Hmm. It's a lot to. It, it seems as almost an abandoning of faith in some areas of her, of of taking this. Um, I'm going to disregard it, but I understand where you come from. It's not disregarding though. It it does. It feels like disregarding. As as if I'm like, okay, I have to abandon all my any any understanding <clears throat> of of biblical roots. And be like, okay, we're just gonna look at this completely metaphorical, nothing to do with. Okay, and so and, that's actually something that you said in the podcast, like you suggested to people to have an opportunity to look at Bible as metaphor. Yes, and you actually didn't even delineate. You just said you can look as as Bible as metaphor. Yeah. So I'm that's bad. actually see this is why I need you yeah. <laughs> is because I'm like this keeps me in check of okay, you can't do both. You have to do one or the other. Or you need to delineate that there's different things happening in the Bible. Yeah. Like, you don't look at the whole thing as metaphor, because it's not. No. It's not. Not even all Genesis is metaphor. Like, there's different types of literature going on in it that it's all sutured together. Yep. Uh, Psalms is not like Judges. No. Judges is... Judges. (laughs) Jesus' parables are not historic truth it's just it's horse it's it's truth that there was a man named jesus who told these parables yeah and he he spoke a truth through them yeah but he was doing it through fabricated stories yeah although i did have one person say to me no all the bible is literal so if jesus said you know if he said a parable it's because it happened and he knew it yeah, so so God and Satan were walking through a, a little thing, and God was taking counsel with Satan, and they were talking about Job. This is a literal truth. Don't don't question it. Doesn't talk about it anywhere else in the Bible. But God and Satan were hanging out one day. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So even in that, right? You can look at the Book of Job, and you can separate it from the literal sphere of things and see it as a parable that yeah. communicates a story. The same thing can be done with the whole Eden thing, because whatever is happening there in Eden is a whole different kettle of fish than what was happening anywhere else in the Bible in a storytelling way. Yeah. Now, one thing that, that I kind of wanted to bring up, like if you're going to take like a meta look at parts of the Bible, like, especially like, I felt like your, your look into Adam uh, gaining consciousness or a higher fidelity view of paradise. Yeah. I felt it worked on a couple levels and failed on a couple. 
Okay. Um, I think it's really, really compelling and makes a lot of sense because like, even like you said, like that analogy you had of your girl, like having a lo-fi understanding of danger in the world, but you, as somebody who is mature, it has a higher understanding. You can see things, right? Like there's a time when we lose our innocence and we gain knowledge, Yeah. right? You kind of can't have both at the same time. Like we know that. Mm-hmm. And looking at what happened to Adam and Eve there, like that is an awakening yeah. of a sort. I would disagree that it is an awakening of consciousness though. Okay. Um, I think they already had, like, within the narrative of the story, right? Within the narrative of the story, they already had they, consciousness. But they had, did have consciousness of sin. But they had consciousness of the potential of sin and the ability to express choice in choosing it or not choosing it. I don't know about that. Because I... Uh... Otherwise, what was the point of the option being put there? The option was to fail. They, it was put there to fail. They were going to do it eventually. There was no, there was no, no, they live in this place forever and, 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 and there will never come a point when them or their, uh, pre, their, uh, their offspring come to fail. The option was put there for them to fail. I do believe that wholeheartedly, 100%. If it wasn't Adam and Eve, it was going to be their offspring. So you're saying God created them with, he, he created them not very good. No, no, no. With the potential to fail. We all yes, have the potential. We, we to, all have the potential. We don't have to do it. No. And we, we, and we don't have to fail as we are right now. Yeah. We do not have to do what we know is wrong. So this isn't a new thought. And it's even one that early church fathers have good, mulled over and stuff like that, right? <laughs> the idea that that uh, that choice being give, brought there, that, that tree of fruit of good and evil, like one way or another, eventually they were going to eat of it. Yeah. But, and it was going to be them because... Well, because there was nobody else. There was nobody else. <laughs> I mean, but, maybe there was their children or whatever, but they're the prototypical man and woman, right? Yeah, they they are the stand-in of all humanity. Yes. Again, that's the meta part. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <clears throat> so these church fathers have this idea that eventually they will eat of it. But there's a disordered way to do it and an ordered way to do it. So they were encountered, they encountered a serpent and wrestled with the debate whether or not to do it, whether to trust God or not, et cetera, et cetera. And they stepped ahead of God's plan. Like, but eventually, if they had succeeded there, if they had morally triumphed over that, the tree of the knowledge of fruit and evil would have been given to them. And then they would have truly stepped into the knowledge of good and... Actually, it's not even evil. The word is bad. It's not good and evil. It's just good and bad. Yeah. It's a difference between evil and just bad. Yes. Anyway, they would have been able to step into that, having triumphed over it, and been able to step into the role to be 
the kings and queens, the rulers of the world and that, pres- preside over it in an ordered way. That, that seems very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Post hoc of a, a, this is the way it would have been if they had done it the right way, not knowing if that's actually so true. I will, I'll preface that by going to the book of Revelation. Ooh. Because remember, remember there was two trees to eat eat of, right? Two trees that were were forbidden. Mm -hmm. Tree of life, which they were denied of before they got to it, and the tree of good and evil. In Revelation, the tree of life is presented to mankind to eat of. Okay. I have a hard time with Revelations. Yeah, that's in (laughs) Revelation. In, you know... In the fullness of time, after we've gone through this whole sin issue, come back the other side as the bride of Christ into into the new heavens and new earth, that tree is actually presented to eat of freely. And so if that one was presented to, to eat of freely at that point in the fullness of time, why wouldn't the other one be? Hmm. Yeah, I didn't go this deep. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, and, and yeah. that's something that the, the people in the first several centuries doing theology, were not unaware of. Yeah. Right. So, it, it was, like I said, there was, there's lots that I really liked about the podcast that you did that yeah. I felt was was really insightful, but I felt like it missed the full point. Of yeah. what that book is about in in favor of color, yeah, and providing an alternative way to try and har- har- harmonize two literal understandings of the world that are disparate. Yeah, and the one and, of the biggest things I like I'd like to remind everybody of is uh, I'm not a fucking scholar. <laughs> yeah. I, I never went to <laughs> seminary. Uh, this is me on a random Sunday thinking of something and it kind of hitting me differently. It was, and, and so that's why I enjoy this conversation is because, yeah, I don't know. I, I brought up an idea to you, teased on it a little, never got, got to hash it out no. as we are I, right I, now. I really so, enjoyed listening to your whole train of thought uninterrupted. Yeah. And then, I mean, this is unfair because I've had a whole week yeah. to, to listen to it, to formulate thoughts. Like I'm not just kind of okay. going off the seat of my pants here, right? So in a yeah. sense, this is unfair. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I, no, you, you, you made good parts. There was parts where I think it the I think you missed the mark. Yes, um, in trying to kind of turn trying trying to turn biblical interpretation into pop psychology. Okay, I think that was the part of it. I'm like, uh, I don't know, because if you're gonna do Bible inter- interpretation, even if you're going to be meta, yeah, it should. It should, in some way, be tied in with the greater narrative, especially like with something with like Genesis. At the very least, it should be interpreted in the light of the rest of the Pentateuch. Okay. Because like, I mean, we we read Genesis first, right? If we're going through the Bible page by page, right? Yeah. It probably was not the first part of Genesis written. Probably wasn't even close to the first part of, Gen- or, uh, of the Pentateuch written. Yeah. Uh, like. All the Pentateuch, traditionally, historically, written by Moses. Yeah. Right? And on all that stuff from the first 11 chapters is from time immemorial past. 
Yeah. Through flood, through death, destruction, through a bottleneck of humanity and, and to a one verbal, family. A, a verbal tradition <clears throat> of, of passing on to. Not even, not even just a verbal tradition. Really? But just, just a bottleneck of all information. And if you're going to read it literally, full destruction of the world. Yeah. <laughs> preceding it. But even so, like, there was nobody that presented the oral tradition to Moses. As a baby, he was brought over to Egyptians. Yeah. And went into the wilderness afterwards and encountered um, people of, of different prairies and stuff like that, of, of kind of a different tradition, but kind of had some kind of connection to Yahweh, but were not Israelites. Like, he learned everything on the mountain. Yeah. Talking with, talking with God as a part of the narrative. Yeah. Like, that's where the genesis of the Pentateuch happened. And then there's a historical part of it about Israel forming as a nation, leaving, leaving the pagan lands and forming their own way. That's probably where, that's probably where it began as far as what was being written there. The whole crown jewel of the Old Testament, especially the Pentateuch, is being given the law on Mount Sinai. Yeah. And being given a way to interact with God. And that part of, of Genesis there, especially that garden bit, like all of that is almost color to add in after the fact. And so anybody there in engaging in that creation narrative tale would have been engaging with it, being fully involved in this law of God and this priestly ascension, holy of holies, like the traveling tabernacle. Like that's the, that's the lens to look at the rest of the Old Testament through. Like that's the centerpiece, like Christ for us is the center of the New Testament. So as a part of the narrative, that's one of the interpretive lenses to do, even if you're being meta about it. Yeah. And so looking back at that, like even that, even that conversation with God after failing and like running away, they didn't like they, they covered themselves. Right. Cause like, yeah. remember and the, the promise, the promise was death. Yes. If you, if you ate of the tree, right. The promise was death. Then why wasn't there death? That, that's my biggest problem. Is, is, so is, one is, of is you're one going of the... to die now. Now you're going to die, and it's like, no, you didn't <laughs> fucking die. Now, so now God's a liar. All right, page one. Boom, 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 boom. All right. So one of the big themes of like, especially like Deuteronomy and Numbers and and stuff like that, there is death by holiness, <laughs> right? Like, it's convenient. <laughs> if you if you fuck up in the holy of holies, you're toast. Yeah. If you bring the wrong blend of incest to burn. Fire can consume you. Yeah. If you do a, a sacrifice wrong, the covering won't be there. Like they were given these these ways, these sacrifices that were meant as covering for them. Yeah. Like it was a barrier between them and the holiness of God. Yeah. To help them withstand the presence of holiness. Yeah. And so in the garden. I wish those guys would have got more credit. <laughs> like honestly, I would love to hear what they have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. In general. So so in the garden is where the first sacrifice was made when God provided them skins. Yeah. God did something to cover them. Yeah. And I think I think in in sense of the narrative, 
that that uh, garment of skin, as yeah. Pajot says, it's a protection of holiness. It's a barrier between them to keep them from being consumed by God's wrath now that sin has entered them. Or not consumed by his wrath, consumed by his holiness. Yeah. It's like, and in a sense, they were like, what do we do? Put leaves on, try and run away, try and try and hide ourselves. It's not, yeah. a, it, it doesn't say they were shamed. It's just as they became aware that they were naked, they were vulnerable. But, the, but that's what I was talking about when it came to consciousness, like the awareness of the vulnerability. Up until that point, they weren't aware that they were vulnerable. Yeah. They were so just... I guess the sense, the sense that I got from, from what you were saying there is when you said they were, they were aware of vulnerable, I guess maybe I got stuck on your insistence that it was a part of nature, right? That you're aware of the bears or of the thorns no, no, or I'm leaves. Saying they, I'm, I'm saying they weren't aware of that. It was second nature at that point. It was, these are the things, this is what's going on. Okay. But it was a low-fi view, a very primitive understanding of nature. The way that a city slicker looks at bears, it's like, oh, they're really nice. It's like, fucking no, they're not. <laughs> Okay. And so when I was talking about that, I wasn't talking about, I was talking about a, a very, uh, a low, unaware understanding of what nature really is. Okay. So I would disagree. I don't think that's, I don't think that's warranted by the story. No. Um, no, like I said, I was reading into it quite a bit. Yeah. Cause so, I, was like, yeah, it, I don't think that's warranted by the story, but what I do think the story warrants is a caution of God at that point. Yeah. A caution of holiness. Yeah. And a conscious of death, they weren't aware of it at that point. They were like, oh, now I need to run away. Up until this point, they weren't running. They weren't, they were he was, he wasn't. So it, I think, like, I, I really do think that, like, in the sense of this being a narrative, a story, thinking of it as paradise is the better way to think of it. Because I don't think of it as real. <laughs> like, or or I, I think of it as real, but not a historical event. As much yeah. as like this is, this is a really, really amazing parable given by God to Moses of what it's like to lose innocence or what it's like, what it, what it's, what it's like for you to be in the situation you're in. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's not a science textbook or anything like that as much as it's, it's a story to wrestle with. And in that way, like. I think there's value in seeing it in the rose-colored glasses, twinkling. The world is very good. Yeah. In the story, that but it, it really like I can believe in, like the billions of years evolution, old Earth, tooth, fang, and claw of natural selection. I can believe in all of that, and the progression of humanity being over th- tens of thousands or millions of years or whatever this is a different thing telling a different thing. Like it's yeah. like, so to me, like Genesis doesn't need to make sense of the evolution of man. Yeah. And I think asking it to try and do that while you may have insights, all those are color, but not the main point. Yeah. And I, I, uh, yeah, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't trying to, uh, I wasn't trying to disregard the Bible while simultaneously trying to see the world the way that a dog or a monkey or or something that doesn't see nature for what it is. 
So what do you mean by nature in that? Because like you, you keep Na- saying gr- you keep... Gr- gravity, seeing snakes, seeing an animal eating another animal. Yeah. Zebras don't sit in a field and look at the lions and be like, oh, okay, everything's good. Yeah. They they can literally coexist side by side. A zebra can be in the same field as a lion, and as long as that lion's not fucking hungry, everything's fine. The zebra is bliss and happy. And so, so when I say nature, I'm talking about that. I'm talking okay. about the lion and the zebra so coexisting. Yeah. So, yeah, I get that, but I, I really don't think that's what ge- the Genesis or the story of the fall is touching on at all. If it's there, it's kind of a, as in symbolism happens. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's dangerous to try and interpret the Bible. And that's one of the things I have a problem with Peterson about. While it was really cool to have that there when I was going through serious deconstruction. Yeah. I've grown really tedious about his Bible interpretations. Who's that? Peterson. Oh, oh, Peterson. Like I, yeah. I've grown really like they, they're tedious to me at this point because he's doing the same thing he does to fucking Pinocchio yeah. that he does to the story of Cain and Abel. <laughs> like, yeah, he's because he's making he 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 presents it as truer than true. Not not just that because I do think it's truer than true. Like even Cain and Abel, I'm not so sure ever really happened. Yeah. Like, I'm sure people died well before Cain murdered well, Abel. When they talk about literally Cain going to a city afterwards, <clears throat> oh, you mean yeah. they had zero death prior to the city that he went to. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's, I don't think that's what it's trying to do. But uh, when Peterson talks, he is interpreting the Bible through his lens of being a, a Carl Jungian style clinical psychologist. Yeah. That is his frame of reference. And he does that to everything indiscriminately, which is respectable in its own right. Yeah. But one of, one of his rules is don't disregard like old traditions, like on the face of it without understanding that they're there for a reason. Yes. And one thing he does not do is follow that rule because he does not take into account the greater Christian tradition or even the rest of the narrative of the Bible in order to influence his interpretations of these things. I just, I, and I think, I think, that's I, I, I think that he fail, he, he may fail. And I say may, cause I haven't thought about it long enough or hard enough to understand. I think he, if he does fail, I don't think he does it intentionally. It's more of a... Um, no, it's not in bad faith. No, it's, it's in but good at, faith. At, at the same time, he refuses he refuses to go down the rabbit hole into trying to encounter God. <laughs> and he refuses to go down the rabbit hole of allowing the Christian tradition or the, even the whole scope of the Bible itself to cast light on the parts that he wants to interpret. And he falls back time and time and time again on Jungian archetypes as if, as if that's the standard. Yeah. Like, you know, like those guys in, in that age, like, you know, Carl Jung, Nietzsche, and all these different philosophers and stuff that kind of the birth of modern psychology. Like, I mean, they didn't, they didn't like invent all this stuff. Like in a sense, they kind of saw patterns of, of reality. Yeah. that seem deeper and truer and pop up time again in places. And they they made a codified system of being able to say, okay, this tends to mean this, and this tends to mean that. 
Yeah. It's almost like discovering math, right? Like, oh, yeah. if you have a number of these apples, like, you know, you can actually do, like, you can divide them in predictable ways or multiply them in predictable ways, like, and then it turns into the concept of math, the science. It's just a way nature is. We didn't invent, we discovered. Yeah. And so I think those, the psychologists have done that. They've they discovered certain patterns of 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 reality that repeat and that make sense. But one thing that they miss though is that they're not there in that time and place. And they're not there to see the culture or the context of these scriptures. And they're ignoring the they're ignoring the tradition of interpretation that the faith itself or that any particular faith, but like that specifically the Christian one has had over time. And it's not all just plain, boring, wooden, like literalism, not, not at all, but it needs a certain rootedness in the Jewish or Christian or whatever faith that tries to look back and tries to see what the heck would somebody who listened to this in that time would they have thought without Young as a crutch? Yeah. And I don't think Peterson goes there enough. He doesn't give enough credit to that. He doesn't look or research or, or tie in to what church fathers have said or interpreted about this stuff. And they could be given and sometimes should be way more credit for the time and effort they've put into interpretation of scripture than Jung has. Okay. Well, I, I have a slight theory with that when it comes to, uh, Peterson's approach to what he's doing. And I say this in the best faith possible that maybe by disconnecting himself from those church fathers, he is opening up opportunities to speak to people who would not, often listen to what he's saying like maybe they would listen to him more just just even a little bit more and lead them to something greater or a deeper understanding of the biblical literature or something else even even if they fall short in a lot of ways where maybe it would lead them to this if he can present it in a way that doesn't have the uh historical baggage that comes along with with uh, religious tradition that could be that could be something that that would be a barrier there but that, that could be my good faith view on Jordan Peterson because well, of like I said I don't think he's doing anything in bad faith yeah I but I do think that there is a limit to what he can offer when it comes to biblical interpretation because he has no foot in that water okay right like he's not doing this. He's not doing this as a sneaky way to make the world Christian. No, I, I don't believe that. No, like that's, that's not what he's trying to do. He's not trying to do things in such a way that revives the view of the Bible in the, <laughs> in the world and brings people into the faith so they can get baptized and know Jesus. And that's not what he's doing. No. As much as he's trying to be like, how the frick do we fix society? Yeah, society this, is fucking broken, though. Yeah, it, exactly. And like this seems to have worked for a long time. We shouldn't disregard it. But at the same time, I need to view this through my lens. Yeah. And like that's 
That, so, that, but that's the game he's playing. And I get frustrated when Christians try to see him as the guy who's on their side and trying to, like, in some, in, in some, in some ways he's like, what is it, the prophet Balaam? The guy with the donkey? So in in the book of Kings, there's this there's this prophet from one of the one of the other uh, other other nations that uh, a king that's about to be conquered by Israel calls upon. Right? He's a man. He's a man from the outside, and they they brought him into the space to denounce to denounce the Israelites to prophesy judgment and doom over them. And he tries to do it, and he. Props up the people of God, you know, despite himself, right? Like he tries to prophesy against them. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and winds up kind of prophesying for, for them. He does it time and time again. Like he's, 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 uh, you know, in some way kind of doing stuff for that team, but isn't part of that team. He isn't trying to be part of that team. And he winds up because he never encountered God in a way of submitting to him winds up perishing. And I think that'd be a cautionary tale for Peter's. Dude, if you ever hear this, don't wind up being Balaam. Don't wind up being Balaam, having prophesied on behalf of Israel over and over and over again, and still deny him. So what you're saying is if anybody's got a direct connection to Jordan Peterson, and you can find a way to get him to listen to this, uh, we'd love to have him on. I, I'm sorry, it was. <laughs> He's like, way bigger fish than us. But he is I would huge love it. and amazing. And if some for some reason he heard this and actually maybe heard what we were saying in good in good faith, yeah. huge fan. Like I said, yeah, dude, I love him. I literally have twelve like, rules I've, behind me on I've, my Rachel. Yeah, I've been trying to be critical because I came in here as the retorter, <laughs> but I fucking love the guy. I've never yeah. met him but I appreciate so much of what he says. Yeah. It's just his Bible interpretation stuff has kind of jumped the shark for me okay. in, in certain ways. You know, I, it's just too much pop psychology and not enough tying into what the narrative of the Bible is actually saying. He's uh, just, he's trying to get too granular. He's trying to get too zoned in into the molecular. Fun, fun question. Do you think you'd be able to hold that line Let's say he was sitting third chair with us here. Do you think you'd be able to hold that line? Uh, I'd have a hard time. I'd, I'd, I feel like I'd become a bit of a yuppie. Of, he could tell me that my, 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 my foot is made of dog food. and I'd, <laughs> It would be hard. He's a very forceful speaker. I don't. Like it, he, and, 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 well, and there would be some fanboyism going on. Yeah, I'd have a hard time. You know, I, I don't know how a conversation with him would go. I, I don't know I don't. if my force of personality could stand up to his or if it would be dominated by. I think if we could bro him first. Yeah. I, uh, what, I mean, what, what I mean by bro him. Or it could him, just mean what, what mood the guy's in when he walked in a studio, yes. right? Like, and what I mean there's by some bro- days I can be pleasant and some days not. But yes. I'm saying bro. If, if I could bro him and be like, hey, have a drink with us, hang out. And e- even a night before or a day before or a week before of, we're just going to hang out, shoot the shit, literally sit in my backyard, have a fire, and just hang out as people and have a conversation as as, as just everyday people. And it's like, hey, you want to do a podcast next week? Or, hey, we're planning on doing this. But let's hang out first so we can know you on an individualistic. And I want that for everybody that comes on here. I would, I've had fires 
with a couple people. I've done martial arts tournaments with a couple of them. Uh, just I've spent time with people that have been on here prior to them coming on, and it it changes that aspect. And I think having that 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 level, some sort of rapport built. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that would probably be a better place to come at it in an honest way. Yeah. But I think he could take it. I mean, like, I just listened to a debate he had with uh, a very recent one with Sam Harris, where Sam really, like, called him to task on some of his association with, uh, I guess, Christian thought. Yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, they they really were sword on sword, you know, and that's good stuff because they are friends. Yeah. Did you hear he's teaming with the Daily Wire now? I did. Yeah. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Yeah, I don't know. It, part of that makes me nervous. It does. I, 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 I do worry a little bit of how it might change his message or how he puts it forth. But they've been very good so far at not, I think, like putting forth a message that doesn't, uh, doesn't bend their, 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 their people. Because I listen to some of them and I'm like, no, that's not good. Yeah. I don't know. Like, part of me thinks, like, I think he's going to lose people he would other otherwise keep yes. and otherwise needs to hear him. But, I mean, that that sep- that sorting has may or maybe already happened yes. in, in the cultural zeitgeist. That he may have passed that yeah, point no, of no return where he can't really thread that space in the middle where people are willing to listen. And, and some people will be like, that was the last straw. Well, they were looking for a fucking reason to amend. But it's going to be a lot harder to, in it's going to be a lot harder to encounter new Yes, and true. have potential, like you know, he's he's he kind of in a way he's entering into a walled garden. He's yeah. entering into a little a little paradise, yeah, where he's going to be able to do his thing, but it's going to limit potential. Yeah, oh. I I I have yeah. It's hard to say. Well, yeah, who knows? I have no idea. So, question: Paradise. That's one. That's one thing you wanted to to jump on there. Like I kind of poo-pooed a little bit by saying I'd rather think of in the within the, the story of paradise as being very very good and not just nature you're like thinking lo-fi of yeah I yeah I I have a hard time okay when okay the your immediate thought when it comes to paradise is perfection I assume I I, I want to project I'm gonna project um, a little bit at, no okay maybe at a not certain you. Po- at a certain point in my life yes I would have thought that I would have thought this is like the Bahamas, except also other other open bar. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I would have thought like the most comfortable nature in the world, where you can eat what you want to. You're not worried about danger. You don't need to worry about suffering or yeah. things like like the whole world is bent towards your pleasure. Which yeah. I, when I think you, of you when I think there. of when I think of paradise now, though, I do not think of that. Yes, but at the time, for a long time, and to this day, a lot of people think when they hear the word paradise, they think of that. Yeah. I mean, I just read the first three chapters of Genesis before before we uh, did before, this, yep. and it actually never said that Eden was paradise in no. that text. It, it doesn't even say paradise. Oh, really? So did I project that on it from my interpretation of other Christian literatures? Of, I, think that's project, or, I think that's projected on it by general... Like pop Christian thought. Like a, a general consensus of Western Christianity. Yeah. 
they think of it as like, well, God said this was good. God said this was good. God said this was good. He made everything in the world good, pronounced it very Fucking good. paradise. And it only got messed up when sin happened. And then yeah. thorns and death and destruction all came in the wake of sin. <laughs> that's, you know, that that's the way that we, I guess we think of it. So we think of everything beforehand being like, man, Adam and Eve were chilling in luxury. And it was just like... Yeah, it but, was, uh, but you think it's static. What happens when things go static, right? When things are just completely still, it's like, fuck it, I got to break something. Yeah. So what I think of as paradise now, in light of, like, looking at what, what is the garden? Because, I mean, it does delineate. They were in a garden, right? Yeah. So thinking back to what were gardens all about at that time and place, when Christianity was formative, or sorry, when Judaism or Israelites were formative. And it was like the, the hanging gardens of Babylon were, that, that was where gods dwelt. They were the top of ziggurats. They were the top of, they were the top of temples, of pyramids, of, of their places of worship that was, a hanging garden set upon a high place where only the priests could go and that's where gods dwelt. Like the Mount Olympus is is even a Greek holdover of that, right? Yeah. That's the top of the mountain where the gods are. Yeah. And you go up there to interact with them. So when I think of, of that, I think of the garden, especially considering it's got four rivers flowing away from it. You know what? Rivers don't flow away no, they from need flat a, places. No, they, they need a spring. They're, they're and they elevated. An elevated a, spring. And it needs to be. That's right. Like if, if you're going to have a river going east, west, north, south, that's coming from a mountain. Yeah. Right? If you're going to have four different places going four different directions, flowing downhill, it's coming from or an le- elevated place. Or at place. least an elevated, yeah, an elevated place, not just yeah. mountain, and but there's, an elevated there's place. Other places in, there's other places in the Old Testament where it's kind of implied anyway that Eden was uh, a reference to the mountain of God, almost even like Sinai itself was. Sinai yeah. is almost a version of the Garden of Eden itself too. Yeah. Not necessarily paradise, but a place that was set aside for God and man to interact. It was the place most ordered for them to dwell together. And that was something that after, after sin could never go back to. Yeah. Right. Not without a degree of covering. Like even in Mount Sinai, God or Moses couldn't look upon God (laughs) at best. God said, turn your eyes away and glance over at this point and you may see my backside. Yeah. At best. And then he came away from that glowing in such a way that freaked the fuck out of everybody that saw him. Yeah. Like that was terrifying. Which, which is a hard thing to explain. Death like, by holiness. Uh, when, when you really, when you look at it, you're like, okay, how do, how do you make that meta when it's like, no, they were just terrified. It's like, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? There's no psilocybin. There's no mushroom. There's no. Yeah. Like that's not a mushroom trip. <laughs> no. Like there's something, there's something else that happened there. No, there's a there's a different kind of encounter that other people saw and described as almost like having your face be bronzed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's one thing, but when I think of paradise, 
like and I think anyway when I when I think of the Garden of Eden, I don't think of of Pleasure Island. I think of the Mountain of God. And this is this is the place where God and humanity dwelt together until they separated. Yeah. And man could never go back until that sin problem was solved. But then you got to look at what they talk about um, later on when they talk about it being guarded by an angel. And yeah, that's the end of chapter three. Yeah, the end of chapter three when it talks about that. It's like, okay, we're putting into effect the idea of it being a literal place, <laughs> not a, a metaphorical place, but a literal place. No, that's not necessarily true. Uh Okay, well, like I said, if you're thinking of this entirely as a parable, yeah, or or of of uh, a of a divine myth, something that is not factual history, but is a very clear picture of the essence of what's going on between man and God, like leaving leaving the Garden of Eden and knowing you can never go back or you'll be consumed by holiness, you'll be pierced by a flaming sword or a cherubim or something like that. Like there's been something established as a barrier to protect you from going back here. Yeah. Um, I... So you, we can never, we can never ascend or at least couldn't properly ascend fully back into this realm of full communion with God with until the whole Jesus thing happened. Yeah. And so even like one thing that Orthodox Church teaches is that every time you have a divine liturgy in your church, you're creating, you're creating a divine space. So symbolically, as the church service is going on with the altar, the iconostasis, with the pictures of cherubim, with the Eucharist being presented and all that, like you're ritualist, you're, you're ritually recreating a little version of Mountain of God. You're creating a garden. You're creating a Garden of Eden, a Garden of Paradise, where you are encountering Jesus in the Eucharist. And that's a precursor to what will happen when humanity is fully restored at the end of all things and the resurrection and all that jazz happens. But that that full reconnection that you get in the divine liturgy of worship with Jesus or worship of God after Jesus did what he did on the cross yeah. couldn't happen until he did that. Yeah. So everything till then was just a shade where you needed protection. You needed garments of skin to shield you from the holiness of God, lest you be consumed Yeah. until you see that until Jesus essentially with that, this is where my metaphor kind of falls apart is the whole being banished from the garden and, or, and, and having these, this flaming sword guard things. Yeah, and I'm like, at, at that point, okay, it's not I'm, just, I'm, I'm meta, meta, yeah. meta. And then I'm like, fucking, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. At that point, when you're talking about that, it's not just nature. It's not no, just no, na- nature is gone. Yeah. Nature is gone because you're being separated from that time Yeah, by a barrier. By a flaming angelic sword and cherubim. Right? And I don't have a meta, I don't have a meta analysis. I don't have a meta understanding yeah, there, of There's that. no I'm way, like, there's nope. no way to synthesize the evolutionary or like the long, like the, the nature as the Garden of Eden and that, because that's, at that point, it's not just about understanding. Yeah. Unless, unless there is something 
that I just can't understand culturally that has just been lost throughout the ages. And I'm like, so that's may- one of maybe. the things that, yeah, that's one of the things that made me think like, you know, like when, when making these kind of interpretations, like it's one thing to riff on it. Yeah. Like, I mean, none of us are making church doctrine here. No. <laughs> it's one thing to riff on it, but it's important to say rather than this is the interpretation of it or like this is the that's best right. way to introduce, like you have to remember, okay, I got to read another chapter. Yeah. Or I got to remember... Like this what is happened this at is, the end of the book. <laughs> this is this is part of a twelve chapter narrative where all the parts mean something within each other. Yes, right. Like, yeah, there's a, a hyperlinked uh, a net. When a, a net is a good word, a hyperlink net when it comes to the Bible of of okay, well, this refers to this, and it talks about something further on, and then you go to Revelation, and then you go to John, and, it, and I'm like, no, I, I don't have that. I don't have that understanding or learning uh, to to back that. I yeah. was simply putting out, hey, maybe it's this. And if I'm wrong, fuck it. I don't care. I'm, so my, what, my, my faith doesn't contingent on what that. What I would suggest, though, is when you're playing around with those ideas, be like, hey, maybe it's this. Be like, okay, test. How does this fit in with, how does this fit in with, let's say, like if you're doing something, especially with Genesis, with the rest of the Pentateuch, yeah. Like, how does this fit in with the law, or with the Egyptian story, or with the chapter afterwards? Because this is all kind of one section block here, yeah. And then it makes a change over to like the Judges and Prophets and stuff like that, yeah. And then another change for wisdom literature. But like, how does it work with this block? Yeah, and I think I think that's where I fell short was the idea of I'm just taking this one chapter and trying to read it differently than anything I've been heard. And I, I think that's something that we like to do is we try to find a new understanding because... Well, we only hear pastors teach this shit. Yeah. We hear it in Sunday school or we hear it in Sunday stuff and they just hear it from whatever they were taught in, in their seminary, yes. which doesn't actually teach them much about philosophy or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like seminary is about... Your reformed exegesis, yeah, <laughs> you know, and how to how to pastor a church, how to write papers or sermons that teach simple moralistic lessons, and, and the thing you is, can I don't get I, across in an hour and move on. And I don't feel like what I was saying was debunking or or going against anything at all. I don't feel like I was trying. I wasn't rocking the boat with this one. It was like, hey, what if we understood this a little differently, or what if we saw this. Maybe if we disconnect God from it, yeah. like Darwin like tried to do, he was like, "I'm going to disconnect God from our understanding of how we became what we are." Not not saying it's there is no God. He's just trying to disconnect it from the the. Uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, the the evolutionary process. Not saying that there is no God. It's just saying he disconnected it. So uh, monotheistic view of it. So I'm like, oh, what am I? What if I try this here? And it, there was no real problem, but it reached this limit where I'm like, okay, it stopped being metaphor. Now it's talking about some things that I can't, I can't metaphor away. <laughs> yeah. And I'm okay with that because I'm like, yeah, maybe it's a cultural thing, maybe it's a uh, a time thing where I'm like, okay, in this time when he said it. It maybe meant something that it doesn't mean now. I don't know, which is possible. I'm willing to take that loss, and I'm willing to just be like, "Oh, it's not a big deal." Because yeah, I'm not. I'm not hanging my hat on this. It's just a thought. <laughs> but at the same time, I should be able to think it and not. Be, oh frick yeah! I should I've, not be stoned for. 
don't I, I have I cast any swords? Have I have no, I hurt your, have you, I hurt your feelings? You have not. <laughs> you have not cast stones. Because like I truly enjoyed listening to your podcast. That's good. I mean, and like being being a quick short one, like I I listened to it probably four or five times and prep for for this conversation. Yeah, but when... like I I it was fun to one listen to my own podcast without knowing that we're already going to say because like <laughs> you didn't share with me anything other than no, the premise. I, I gave you a little, I give you a snippet. Yeah. So I heard all that in the same way everybody else did, which was fun in yeah. and of itself. I enjoyed listening to you to speak for 20 minutes without interruption Yeah, and clearly lay out your thought. So I could actually think about it and could fucking destroy it with <laughs> re- retort in some way. Yeah. I thought there was lots in it that was good. Yeah. Like, I mean, I spent this whole time debunking, but there was plenty in it that good. Like, yeah. Like, I, I, really... I don't, I don't doubt that. That's the thing. I know that there, I, I can't be that fucking retarded. You can't listen to somebody super wise and then just be like, now I'm going to go say something retarded. No, you're going to pick up some wisdom somewhere yeah. along the way. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just my, my biggest, my biggest point of caution is in trying to interpret the Bible through Jungian concepts or from clinical psychology. And that's, yeah, I have a hard time with that because I've been so influenced lately by someone who is, uh, so influenced by Jungian. Literally a clinical psychologist. Yeah. And, and Jordan Peterson and maybe, you know, so maybe, maybe a, a challenge I would have to you would be to broaden your horizons. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I I try in some areas and some well, areas I don't, I don't mean, try. Yeah, in some I ways, know in like, some in many po- ways I don't try. Politically, you brought you try to broaden your horizons a lot. You try to listen to people outside of of your bubble. Yeah, uh, at least ones that you can stand listening to. Yes, like you know. But when it comes to when it comes to trying to dig into the meaning of life, I found you've kind of gotten to a Peterson-esque rut. Yeah, it's a nice rut. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's good. very it's, comfortable. <laughs> it's comfortable once you figure out his language. Yeah, it, mm. uh, the thing is, when you make okay, when it comes to like you said, the meaning of life. When you make the meaning of life so convoluted and complicated, you've lost the meaning again. And where with the Peterson, I'm going to call it the Peterson approach. It's simple in so many ways. Yes, it's complicated, but it's not hyper complicated to the point of losing itself yeah. it's it's well, able to it, it still yeah. finds its center. His, his deal as a psychologist and a therapist is to help people order their life so that they as individuals don't suck yes and i know that connects with you a lot <laughs> don't suck is a great center <laughs> well, what, what i mean is like knowing you the way i do like yeah. i know like things connect with you the best when you think of it at the individual level yeah you don't like thinking of things in community level or like no, tradition community level suck. or things Traditions like that, right? are... But unfortunately, they're a part of life. Yes. And a part of faith. Yeah. And like, so there's, there's, there's other, there's other elements of it that need to color. But at the same time, like I see exactly why Peterson connects with you so strongly on yeah. his interpretation stuff, because it brings in simple things that you could be like, all right. This is something I can apply yes. to myself right now. But there's parts of the Bible that have no fucking interest in connecting with you as an individual. Yeah. 
it's not what they're about. Yeah. And if you're going to try and make them do that, you're doing something other. Yeah. It's like at that point, you're doing the same thing as you're treating it like Pinocchio or like well, any other work of art. No, it, but but here's here's something where it, it comes back is the whole, yes, there are things that I will disregard, but I will not write off. I will not be like, no, it's not necessary. Don't do it. It's like, no, for for me... This is what's important, but I understand that this other thing is important to other people <laughs> in a communal, in a, a religious, in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, a macrocosm uh, uh, of effect that I don't, I don't disregard because I see what it does as a whole. And people, when they feel drawn to push towards that thing, I'm like, no, I won't disregard it because I see the value in it. I see what it does. Yes, I don't give a fuck about that thing, but I see its value as a whole. Just like uh, a liberal-minded person, I don't agree with most liberally. I don't even know if I completely agree with that statement. I don't agree with a lot of hyper-leftist or even leftist ideological uh, approaches to things but do I see their value yes I do I see where they're coming from and I hope that I understand them and I hope that I can help them come to a way of doing something in a better way where a lot of people they'll be like fuck anyone who doesn't agree with me get the fuck out and on both sides left even, and right even that you're you're approaching this like a therapist yes yes I do you know, you're not you're not approaching this as a you know, as a, as a theologian no. or as a, an artist or no. as a storyteller or no, anything like that. Nope. Like you're just about whatever it takes to make you better than you are. Okay. Yes. hundred percent. And that's a good, I see that as a good thing. Yeah. And I, I, I think. See, I see I it think, as a good thing. I just see it as an incomplete thing. Oh yes. But if it takes community, do it. If it takes uh, individual, uh, like you just self bettering of, we need to make you better as a person so that you can make everything else better. Great. But if you need a community to make better, I know people like that. They need a community to make them a better person because they, they, they do not feel as an individual worth being better for. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't need to do better because I'm a piece of shit or they yeah. think so, themselves as a piece of shit. Yeah. You're so Protestant right now. It's like, really. I don't know how to take that. <clears throat> Fuck you or, oh, thank but you. Think, think about like, what is every ser- what is every sermon about? In a Protestant? Well, I, I couldn't. Because, I mean, that's, well, that's the world listened, you live in. So I, that is the I world live in a world of sermons, so yeah. I've heard them all. No, but <laughs> essentially, I've heard the burn doesn't in it, hell. I've doesn't it the... all come down to, you know, like, here is the deal. Here's what you need to do to make it to heaven. Or here's what you need to do to live a better, more Jesus-like life. Here is the moral lesson for you to take away from today and present into the week ahead of you. Yeah. Like, is, isn't that just the main gist? Like, I mean, obviously there's color to it. There's different tread well, you can put on those tires. I think to an extent, yes. But at the same time, there's a microcosm effect, right? There's the... Okay, I'll explain. Okay. There, as an individual, I can only do so much. But... If I can get... If a whole bunch of individuals... If a whole bunch of individuals go in line with that individualistic uh, direction that that moves everybody to a better direction of uh, me as an individual, I can feed one homeless people. But if I get 20 people, I can feed 200 homeless people. 
there's this, this microcosm effect of as an individual, I can only do so much. And so when I see these, these tiny little things and the more people that you bring towards doing a greater thing, the, the, uh, is a financial term when it comes to it, when it comes to, um, uh, oh, there's a word I'm trying to think of it right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like an interest, right? A, a progressively, uh, the more money you put into something, yes, it only makes five percent this time, but next time it's going to make five percent on top of the five percent that you just made. Yeah, and and so there's this idea when it comes to the the goodness that you bring into the world or the positive effect that you have. Yes, you as an individual, if you can do five percent, great. But if you and another person do five percent, that's not five percent anymore. Yeah. That, See, that's a fundamentally different way that I approach it than than I approach faith. Yeah, like a hundred percent different. No, I I really do see it as an individual, and I see it less as a a macrocosm of if we can get as many people as we yeah. can. But even so, even so, I think I think we're even like just talking different languages here. Yeah, because like very I don't, I'm not even thinking of a community or of like a big group of people, like or of like some kind of collective way of doing life. Like when I when I'm approaching faith it's encountering god yeah getting to know who that god is not even just intellectually but experientially yeah trying to feel the presence let that presence change me and hope it's doing the same thing for everybody else yes it's not an intellectual thing at all I think it's because you have a lot more faith in humanity than I do. No, I don't. Because I, I, I feel I, like... I really don't. Like, the whole world might burn, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, to the ground. Like, yes. It, it, and there might just have to be a whole resurrection like or a whole new world made. Yeah. But it's but that's not what I'm interested in is, like, when I go to worship, Yeah. like, I couldn't give a fuck about the sermon. Yeah. Not one bit. You see, I'm all I, about I just, the sermon. I cannot care less about the sermon. I'm going there to try and partake in the 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 divine council. I want to be there and feel the energy of God. Yeah. Fill me and change me. Yeah. And and walk away like like uh like, see, a, like a coal in the fire. And then walk away with that heat. Yeah. Yeah, I I just I, I hear what you're saying, but yeah, I have a hard time with that because sometimes I go to a sermon or a service, and if the guy's talking out of his ass and he says right. something stupid, all I'm gonna hear is that stupid thing that he said. And I'm that's really... why. That's why I don't go to Protestant services anymore. Yeah. Because that's like Protestant service. The sermon is the Eucharist. Yeah. The whole setup is around that you go there you sing a couple songs uh, maybe you have some sort of experience with the music and stuff like that but you sing a couple songs you maybe give something but you sit down and then the pastor comes out and presents the sermon yeah that is the thing of consumption and then you wrestle with that take what you can from it and then leave but that that's that's what it's it's all about. Yes, you're not encountering God. You're encountering a TED Talk. And if that's the case, 
Okay. I, I hear what you're saying. way better TED Talks you can find on YouTube. Yeah. Hell, but, in that, but, in that but, case, you but, might as well go on no and just... Com- but there's no community involved with that. Fucking go to a TED Talk. There's plenty of community. I'm, I'm just saying, like, TED Talks are one thing, but they're kind of few and far between. They're like, they can be well, either at shitty that, or At that just... point, you might as well go to a Peterson lecture and experience... I, I wish I could. But <laughs> it would be more church than churches. Yeah. Minus the music. Yeah. So, and, and that's to me why I don't do it anymore. Like, for me, going to church needs to be a liturgical experience where a divine space is created. So, it's, it's about the act of going and... And and, and in Encountering and, as opposed and, to... Encount, encountering the symbolism that brings you into the presence of God. Yeah. And where I'm more of a, what does he bring to the table? What can I take from it? Yeah. And, 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 and like I said, at that point, I can find way better on YouTube or on podcasts yes, than you but ever could. No and I can find community. And I could find the community in the fucking motorcycle club. I can find the community yeah. at work. I can find the community... I've been to your work. Friends. I've been to your work. <laughs> and I get it. I do. But at the same time, I, I think having just those people. I did yeah. nothing for me while I was there. That's true. I was thinking about nothing, it. Did nothing but push me away. I, I was chatting with a guy the other day. He's like, yeah, we go to, we have, I'm like, hey, you want a thing going on? And it's like, yeah, we do a pray, prayer meeting. And I'm like, I struggle with prayer. I really do. The whole, I just the act and how is it symbolic and what does it mean? Where's my heart? And I, I overthink it. I get to mm-hmm. the point of overthinking prayer. Like, I'm like, what am I actually doing here? And yeah, I have a hard time with it. I'm not good. There are things I'm not good at, but I'm very aware of how I'm not That's good okay. at them. okay. You'll have plenty of time to think of it in hell. <laughs> Fuck you. Or purgatory. Purgatory, you're Catholic. Hopefully purgatory. I would definitely make purgatory. You know I would. If, if, if Catholicism has anything to say about it, I'm good. <laughs> but, uh, but that's, that's Catholic. That's, that's, not, Catholic. Actually, that's yeah, not actually but the it way It doesn't going. matter if I'm right or not. I'm pretty sure if the whole world is Catholic, I'm good. <laughs> I'm saying if, if you're, the Catholics are right, I'm solid. <laughs> Who knows? You maybe you've committed a mortal sin and Ooh. precludes you from, from I did it. not get married on a Wednesday, thank you. <laughs> That would be venial. Big difference. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yes, there's different levels of sin. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know there was a word for getting married on a Wednesday. No. But if, <laughs> if that was a thing, it would be a venial sin. Like it would be a, oh, yes, a slip yeah, up yeah, or yeah. a mistake or something that you did but isn't like – isn't. Is it, wouldn't this podcast be considered venial? venial oh, yeah. 100%. In that case <laughs> – so venial. Yeah. It's just... We, the whole thing is nothing but committing venial sin after venial sin. Yeah. <laughs> Heck, just I mentioning think. that word more than three times in a podcast is a venial sin. <laughs> oh, we're going to... It just... It just went to the next level. Straight to purgatory. Straight to purgatory. Yeah. Oh. oh so funny. Yeah, no, there is. But no, not being Roman Catholic, actually, that is not something that I find as doctrine or (laughs) I don't, 
I don't play with the whole things with venial and mortal sins and stuff like that. That's that's not the math I do. Yeah, no, it's it's the thing is we like we we love these sliding scales that we like to put things on. So it's like, sure, I didn't uh, lie, but I didn't rape any or no, yeah, I may have lied, but I didn't rape and murder somebody today. I'm like, where other Christians be like, no, a sin's a sin. You're you're across the board. A lie is the same as murder. I'm like, I fucking beg to differ. Yeah, hundred percent. Like. I definitely didn't rape anybody this week. One, uh... <laughs> Ever. Just joke. Yeah. Not this week. <laughs> this week. Nor any of the previous ones. It just, it just why guaranteed. Are you, why are you assuming that this is something that changed? Because <laughs> I prefixed it. Uh, but yeah, it's just... I don't like how some people love to paint every single sin. And I'm like, okay, In God... the same brush? God is a merciful, understanding God. If, yeah, I don't want to go there right now. That's a long yeah. conversation. I think that's a, that's, yeah, that's a different thing. I think divine mercy and forgiveness and 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 God's wrath versus His love and understanding. I think that's a whole. This is a whole episode right there. That is a whole episode. Yeah. With that being said, where are we at? Oh, we fair. We good. All right, cool. Well, uh, should we call it a should we call it a thing? Well, let's just give a little shout out to or a little tease. Let's give a little tease of what we got coming up here. We are going to be recording again with our our, our dear friend, Mister uh, Travis, and we're taking a mulligan on that. Oh one. fuck! I hope we can record this one <laughs> or release it. Sorry, we can record it. The last one will not be released. I kept it just in case he. No, we need to burn it with fire. <laughs> Just our whole Zoom mixer. Just, just throw just it in the garburetor. The whole thing. Get a new one. It's, oh, wow. Uh, we are going to be releasing, this will be, uh, yeah, we're going to be recording with him hopefully Saturday. It's going to be a good one because we're going to have a fucking topic and we're going to, we should put a time limit. We'll be like, hey, we got an hour and a half max and not, not, it's going to take what it's going to fucking take. We're going to yeah. talk about this. Well, let's, let's not promise that too quickly. We don't know what may or may not change. That's right. So uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We do. I just, yeah. You get so excited. I do. I get excited because I, I love having people on. And I think if other people see that we'll have other people on, maybe they'll listen and be like, oh, who, who's next? But otherwise, just us shooting the shit and having fun. But I'm glad you're back, man. It was, doing that by myself was tough. Yeah. I can't would, would you do another one? Yes. But I think I would do a little more hot takes and just offend people and say things that would <laughs> bother people. It's like, I believe in the Second well, Amendment. <laughs> what did What did you think of this dynamic, though, of like you having a chance to express a full thought and then... Uninhibited without yeah, any... with, with Without anything in the way, but you, you got a chance to say something and get it out your way and then be see, tested the... on it after the fact. How, how did you okay, like that the, idea of a the format? The testing was fucking annoying. <laughs> but I, I liked it. But at the same time, um, I felt very driven in my own way to not go off topic. Yeah. To keep this, not not my own thoughts. Which, which not, I think was good. Like, I, I, I liked it. And there's one criticism that I've heard a couple different times. Yeah. Is it's hard to follow one premise it like is through to the point where somebody can understand one what one of us is talking about, and then 
have have it tossed about and discussed. So like, yeah, this this might actually turn out to be a popular format, even if we don't enjoy it as much. Like, yeah, where maybe it one wouldn't of, be a wouldn't be a bad idea for one of us to get out a thought as we have it. Yeah, and then come back to it with the other having listened to it. Yeah, and then we can shoot the shit on, on it after the fact, instead of trying to get it out over the course of an hour, half steps. So that means you got to take this thing home and do your own little podcast. And then I release it and then listen to it. And cause that, I can't, that, it can't be a, me all the time. Being that's a lot, of, yeah, that's a, that's a lot <laughs> of steps. That's a lot yeah. of steps to do. I don't think we would do that often. We'll, we'll just criticize me then. <laughs> I mean, I, I come, I could come to the pothole and, Blast that off an true. episode. That is true. Uh, no, it is something we'll probably be doing again because it is yeah. summer and we're not going to have as many. We're going we're gonna to have a week where we miss one here or there. But um, just know we're thinking, it. yeah, you guys are fucking lucky. We gave you two in a week this last week. So, But no. this is going to be a couple weeks later, so they're yeah. not going to know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, just know y'all were lucky I, a few I weeks ago. I love how hard you ha- how hard it is for you to like keep this all in the flow of release. It's so difficult. You have, especially with that last one, we had like seven <laughs> on on the back burner and we would just release them slowly. <laughs> and now we're like caught up. We're like shit. Like, oh man, we got to do a couple here. We got to do a couple. Next thing you know, I'm just going to be uh, so we're, oh, we're also going to be bringing other people in. Again. I'm just excited to have more people on. Anyways, we should just wrap this up and fucking call her. Uh, right. you had a good night? I did. Yeah. I'm glad to be back. A. We did two tonight. It was good. All right. Well, welcome back and I just got to say God bless. Don't be a dick. has been brought to us by Kirk the Riffer Wells at Liquid State Audio. He is the guitarist, the producer, and the mixing engineer. Thank you from the Blue Collar Philosophers, Biker Mike and Devin.